and welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. On the show today, I have Lena Anderson, a singer-songwriter, um, a Canadian slash Pharaohs singer-songwriter, or Pharaohs slash Canadian, whatever we want to put it, uh, due to bring out her sixth album, State of the Land, on Friday, the 26th of January. Uh, really good album, really impressed. Um, recorded with the late Jeff Emmerich, who produced some Beatles albums, so working in good company. But before that, we're going to get back to the start. So what was life like for a young Lena growing up? Ooh, um, that's that's kind of a, <laughs> a heavy-duty question. You know, life's, you know, life's been um, all over the place for me. Um, I was born in the Faroes and um, I grew up in Canada and I basically moved around uh, like every other year, like every, every couple of years we, we moved. And um, so I've lived on the West coast and in the middle of Canada um, around the great lakes. And then I've lived in, um, in Montreal, in Quebec before moving back to the Faroes. And um, so it kind of like always gave me a sense of uh, rootlessness. Like I, mm-hmm. I always felt like I didn't really belong anywhere. Um, and maybe that's something that I've taken along with me um, in my, in my music, this, cause maybe that's where I feel like I belong. <laughs> I don't know, but what it's been like, yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride, and and you know, I've just uh, yeah tried to make the most of it. Right. What was uh, what was your early ambitions? Did you always want to play music? Was that a national? Oh, yeah. It's weird. Um, I've always like I, I come from a musical family. My mom, she's a singer, and. Um, she uh she made she's made a couple of records and um but i i didn't um i didn't dream about music i didn't dream about becoming a singer but i it, it always filled our home and i i've always sung to myself and actually i wasn't aware of it when i meet people today who remind me of how i was like as a teenager or if i meet up with people that you know, from high school, oh, you were always singing, Lena. And I didn't, you know, I, it probably just was a natural thing for me, but it wasn't an ambition at all. I actually wanted to be a marine biologist. (laughs) (laughs) So nothing like, but so I feel like I kind of stumbled into this thing, um, but it was probably meant to be. And, um, how that happened was when I when I uh, moved back to the Faroes, I got a job at a cafe, and um, one night I thought everyone had left, and um, so that's when you start cleaning the tables and putting the chairs on the tables, mm-hmm. getting ready to wash the floor and all that, and then I just started to sing to myself, and um, all of a sudden I hear steps coming up from the basement footsteps and and it's this guy and I remember him from the cafe like he he was a guy that came in every now and then 
but it turned out he was a Norwegian drummer and he was uh, teaching at the music school here. And he said, wow, you can sing. You should uh, join my band, my cover band. He had a cover band. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so that's how that started. And so he went, he went off, I locked the door and, and then I thought to myself, Oh, maybe I should give it a try. And so I decided to join that cover band and we played Stevie wonder covers and all that. And, um, and then in the band, I met Niklas Johannesson, who right. is my music partner and my husband today. And we write all our stuff together. And that's, when I basically started writing, um, he sort of opened up that world to me. And so that's how that began. That's yeah. brilliant. So <laughs> obviously, obviously moving back and meet, meeting, um, meeting this drummer and then obviously meeting your future husband. Obviously you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned about in your early part of your life feeling kind of rootlessness. So right. How do you feel now? Like, I mean, that must be completely different, like a, a, a massive turnaround now. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's a turnaround, but it's funny how all these things that form you as a child and a teenager and in your youth, um, those feelings don't go away. Like, it's still there. But I just now I just use it constructively. I use it, you know, in 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 my music and. But yeah, I, I'm starting to feel more grounded, I guess. But <laughs> I ask myself, is that what I want? But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's like, yeah, something that you're used to feeling is it's awkward to feel something else, you know? Well, as well, obviously being like a, a singer songwriter and putting yourself in stage, it must be quite um, daunting to kind of put yourself out there front and center. So yeah. is, that, is that something that you struggled with throughout your career? No, like that's the weird thing about me. Um, I think that's the deal with a lot of artists is that um, I'm, I'm quite a private person and I'm, I'm um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually a little bit shy and you probably wouldn't think that I am. But then when I get on stage, that's when I forget about myself. That's when... I just maybe that's when I feel most at home and um and so I don't struggle with I get nervous before a gig or a show but I don't um but I don't doubt that when I'm on stage it's just going to feel natural and I'll feel mm -hmm. good so so going back about obviously after meeting after meeting the drummer and joining the covers band am I led to believe you you were in a musical yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was in a musical and the the funny thing is the guy who wrote the music for the musical, that's Niklas Johannesson, my my mm -hmm. husband today. And um yeah, there was this uh you could audition to be in this musical and and um I thought why not? So yeah. It was like the first Fairways musical, yeah. Right. And how how was that then? Was that kind of was that acting involved in that as well? Yeah, there's a bit of acting involved, and um, then I had a few solo pieces, and um, 
yeah, I, I really enjoyed like the process and um, yeah, so. <laughs> is, that, is, that <laughs> some, <laughs> is that something that you would um, pursue again, do you think? Um, perhaps, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, a, it's, uh, when you're in a, some kind of, uh, like a, a big setup like that, where you have lots of singers and actors and dancers, it's like this big family, you know, and mm-hmm. you just kind of, you escape into that bubble for a while. So it could be cool to, to be back in that, but I haven't missed it. So I don't know. Yeah. Right. Uh, so album wise, uh, nineteen ninety six is that right? Is this when Long Distance came out? Round about nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Um, obviously working with Nicholas. That's right. Um, after after that, there seemed to be kind of breaks between albums. Um, maybe like five to six years or whatever between albums. Yeah. Um, and and that process, you were doing songwriting for for other people as well. Yeah. So how does that work? Obviously, I spoke to a few people. I've had a few people in the podcast that have done songwriting. Yeah. So how how does that work? And see if you know that you get a successful song and you give it away to somebody else. How did how does that make you feel? Yeah. Um. I've always had this deal where if I really love a song so much that then I won't let it go. Like I won't, I won't give it to someone unless I, I feel that they can maybe really um, do something with it. Extraordinary. Do you know what I mean? Um, But just to pitch a song, I, I, that I, but, but when that said, I'm not going to give anybody anything that I can't stand in for that. I don't think is, is, is worth their while. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but it's more like if something resonates so much with you, then um, I, I won't give it away. But the, so for an example, um, <clears throat> Niklas, he came home one day and and um, he had been asked to write a song for a, a country singer here in the Pharaohs. And, um, and then he started to play the melody <clears throat> and then he had the hook true love in a way like um but true love doesn't care what they say and um and i really resonated with the melody and um kind of that message and then i said can you hold on a minute can you let me write lyrics and when i started to write the lyrics i just felt more and more like this is this is a song that I'm supposed to sing. So is it okay? <laughs> and <laughs> and so that, that song ended up on our album, Letters from the Pharaohs, and it's called True Love in a Way. So that's an example of, of, uh, of when you really feel a song connects to you, then you, you kind of want it to be something you keep for yourself. But I mean, anyone can sing it if they want, but yeah. you know what I mean? So- yeah. Yeah, second album can't erase it. Um, both these the first two albums, you can't yeah. get them on Spotify or in like that. Were they just released in the Pharaohs? Can't erase it. 
uh, and the first album, the, the and long, long distance. distance, yeah. Um, long distance was the album. It was it was released in the Pharaohs, and um, yeah, I think it's basically only been released in the Pharaohs. But that was the kind of the album that opened a lot of doors for me, um, where we got interest from different labels and stuff in in North America, and. Um, so that was the album that made uh, Nicholas and me move over to uh, Vancouver, to the West Coast and start working with, um, you know, writing more and, and, and doing some networking and all of that. And then Can't Erase It. Um, that's the funny thing is that you start, um, you, because it was our debut album, we didn't have any expectations. So mm. we just, we just played music and we just kind of went with the flow and um and we're very playful and then as soon as you get all this interest from from abroad and stuff you start to become more um you know may maybe more aware of what you're doing more conscientious and and that's a good thing but it's it's also like it's also important not to forget to have fun and so yeah. we 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 made a we made a big album the next album can't erase it with a, a really great producer Ola Polson he's Faroese but he's he's um, Grammy nominated Danish producer living in Denmark and um, so he agreed to make that album with us and that album was released in Denmark and um, and it it was album of the year and on some major radio stations there um but yeah yeah those two were the first was just released in the pharaohs but it was the one that gained interest from abroad so it kind of like uh it sparked this thing in us you know that you can mm -hmm. maybe so where where can people where can people hear those albums now? Would you? I know. I think I should put Long Distance on. Uh, people have been asking me, can't you put Long Distance, the first album, on um, on Spotify or Apple, and and the same with Can't Erase It. So I think I'm gonna have to do that. Mm -hmm. Either think, or like Bandcamp or something. Bandcamp's good for yeah, you to still make a bit of money there as well. Yeah, I could do that. The uh, can't erase it. the 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 song itself, it's on um, Spotify and Apple. I don't know. Do you say Apple or iTunes? Um, I, I say I Apple. Know. I don't really use iTunes. <laughs> so. Yeah. So the song, that one song from the t the title album, "Can't Erase It," it is on Spotify. Um, but I should put the rest of the album up there. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably do that after this this uh, new album has been been out for a bit. Then I'll I'll upload all the other ones. Yeah, I I, I think once this album comes out and you get um, a wider audience, I yeah. think people would want it. Yeah. So as I say, I mean, I spoke to you last night, and I was at work. I work night shift, so I was listening to. Oh yeah. I was going through all the Spotify last night. Um, let let your scars dance. Yeah, obviously, listen to that parts of it recorded at Abbey Road as well. Is that correct? Pardon me. 
part, was a part of that recorded at Abbey Road Studios, is that That's correct? That's right. <laughs> that song, um, like the piano that you hear at the end, the strings were recorded at Abbey Road on Let Your Scars Dance, the song. The song. And at the end of, of Let Your Scars Dance, there's an outro and you can hear the piano and that's the, the Lady Madonna piano. Wow. <laughs> and then um and then there's a song called and life carries on without you the strings to that and and the guitar um and vocals i believe were all uh recorded there and then stones in my pocket was recorded live um in abbey road um with a uh with a um string quartet and harp and um yeah, so that was fun to experience that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. What in a place like that with so yeah. much magic in the air. Yeah, it's weird how it's just a building, but still there is magic in there, yeah. What yeah. is it like walking in there for the first time? Can you feel something? I think, like, that's the thing. Like, um, is it is it me because of my, um, you know what I associate with it or, or is there really like a vibe there? I think it was a bit of both like it, but it felt really huge. It felt like, um, it felt like one of those, um, sort of milestones in your life. Like this is a moment I'll never forget. So yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Last of the album. What, what I never asked earlier on, like what was your, what was your musical influences growing up? Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I had like, I had different um, stages of like, I really, um, as a little girl, I really liked um, like the Carpenters. Well, I've got some names that I've kind of, <laughs> so come back to that. Okay. And then I, um, and then like, I've always, uh, if I, I've never really been like a genre person. Like it's, uh, I haven't really said, I only like this kind of music, you know, I've just reacted to something that I, that, that makes me feel something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But later in my teens, I, I actually, uh, I really loved the, um, the scene in, in, uh, in the UK, um, cause I was growing up in Montreal right. and one guy in my class, he had, he had, uh, a, he had some family in England. And when he came back, he came back with the stone roses tape and, um, he had all kinds of like stuff from Manchester. And so that kind of, uh, that kind of opened up this, this whole different, uh, vibe that wasn't North American, and I right. really like it. I really loved it. So, um, some 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 English influence there too, and um, I like I love when now that we've 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 been in the UK a bit. I also really love just basic North American stuff. Like I love Tom Petty, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So. <laughs> Who used? I'm listening to your music last night. There's a bit. I'm pretty sure you 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 name checked Tom Petty in one of your songs. 
Yeah, that's right. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's the song called Class Picture. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Is that that's the one where you you name all the people and that? Yeah, that's these are right. people yeah. that yeah these these people that I name in the song. These are people that a couple of them are um, fictional characters, but most of them are non-fictional, and it's just like the story about. Um, when you're a kid and you go to school and you know you look at the class and you're like okay we all have these dreams you know and then uh 30 years down the road where where are we like and and what are do we still have those same dreams and and so i just mention all these people and kind of what life has has dealt for them you know what i mean so and it's quite upbeat um Considering I've I've had another guy on the podcast, Jack Jones, who fronts yeah. a band called Trampoline, and on their debut album, uh, the first track, he does a bit of spoken word, and the first track is a poem called Artwork of Youth. And oh, yeah. It, it's him talking about other people and his class at school, but okay. they're probably wow. not spoken in the same kind of glowing terms as you spoke about your people. Right. Um, it's talking about who smoked the first joint and who, oh yeah, <laughs> who, who got a blowjob before class stuff like that. Right. So yeah, um, but he's not <laughs> left any of the names out, and a lot of these people are, I think, a bit mad at. Did he did he leave their names out? No, no, he kept no? he kept most of their names, and I think there was a couple that were were bleeped it, but all oh, right, aye, really good. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so as I kind of touched on, like obviously asking about your influences and like listening to Let Your Scars Dance, some of the some of the the singing style that I got from it, yeah, was Karen Carpenter. Oh, um, along with Alanis Morissette as well. There was some kind of oh, wow. Um, just the way you sang some of the songs. Just sounded like that, and it wasn't. It wasn't until I wrote it down. I thought, well, she was from Canada. I didn't know if there was any influence there for you growing up. Yeah, uh, with Alanis. Yeah, I don't know, but I think she's great. Um, I I remember when Alanis came out, and I remember really uh, connecting with the 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 angst in her voice because she kind of was this counter reaction to all the, all the, the pretty singing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and that was, uh, and all of a sudden you could say anything like you could just, yeah, you can sing your diary. Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. sing, sing your heart out. And I really like that. Um, and how she crammed a whole bunch of syllables into into one like one line. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, she she really resonated with me. But I I've never seen myself as as one that that um that has that rocky voice that she mm -hmm. has. It, it just seemed to be just certain bits of your voice at times sounded like certain people. Another one that I thought about was Dido. Um, oh really? Yeah. Just, all at different times in the between songs, but yeah. I'm really impressed that I kind of got that Karen Carpenter vibe, oh. and, uh, <laughs> and that I really liked her. Yeah, 
Yeah. My, my mom, you know, you're always influenced by what you also hear at home. And my mom had a few records and one of those was um, Carpenters. And so, so that was on quite a bit. Yeah. Record player. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, another couple of albums, 2011, um, Letter from the Pharaohs came out. Yeah. Letters um, from the Pharaohs. Which, what I got for that was more a uh, singer-songwriter. I don't know if you've heard Passenger. Yeah. Wow. But I kind of got a bit of that for, for That's cool. And I was, obviously he's worked with, he, he works with guest singers quite a bit. And when yeah. I heard your voice, I thought that would be ideal for the two used to sing something together. That, oh, I'd, I'd love that. That would be amazing. So so yeah, that that's what I go for. You can uh, you can connect us and get us to do a song together. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. I mean, I'd, <laughs> like, I'd, I'd like That'd to have great. him on the podcast. So if I ever get him on the podcast, I'll yeah. I'll certainly pass your details on. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so I these 2011, 2016, Eagle in the Eagle in the Sky. So as I say that there's there mm-hmm. seems to be a bit of time between albums. What, right. What's the reason behind that? Is is that just um, life? You know what? That is probably just life. But it, yeah, it's life, and it's um, it's when when we do everything ourselves, and um, at the same time, we take on other like uh, we play gigs and we. Like we don't lock ourselves in a studio for two months and then come out with an album. It's like we we start and we're intense um, in, in in segments. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it's also this thing where sometimes it's good to come back to something with fresh ears. And um, yeah, so that's it's hasn't always taken taken a long time, but yeah, those those albums have. But it's not like we 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 hover above the album for like four years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we we do other stuff and then we have fresh ears and then new ideas and a lot of songs are reworked and yeah. But we're we're thinking of doing an album now and and just the next album um, and not having it take a long time. Just just see if we can get it done in a couple of months. Right. But so that leads us to um, State of the Land. <laughs> yeah. Which, obviously, I, I sent out a bunch of emails to um, PR companies at the start of the year looking for new guests for my podcast, and one right. of the first to reply was was Nick at, right. at Beat Filter, and he sent me this album. Um, me and my wife were decorating the house, and I put yeah. this album on, and uh-huh. I was blown away with it. It's Beautiful and it's oh thank you. It's gonna be an absolute hit. Um recorded in LA. Yeah. With Jeff Emmerich. Yeah. How does that come about? How did how yeah, do you we, you know what? It's kind of this follow-up of the Abbey Road dream. Like when we did Let Your Scars Dance, we thought, what what let's make it an adventure. Do you know what I mean? Because you can always just have you have your computer, you can always make music, but how do we make this an adventure? And so that's that was the question also when we ended up in Abbey Road. That would be a dream come true for us. And so 
that's what we we set out to achieve. And um, so for this album, we thought, okay, who would who would we who would be our ultimate engineer? You know what I mean? Because the idea was to um, have uh, all the basic tracks played live, so that you get the synergy when you're playing. Mm-hmm. But that is also, uh, but when you do that, it's it's vital that you have good engineering, so that whatever gets on tape is like it has a good sound, right? Like a healthy, a healthy foundation. So um, both Nicholas and I just we looked at each other and said Jeff Emmerich that would you know and we started to google and he had still been working and stuff like that and um so um we contacted he had a management at the time and we contacted the management and um and then uh he asked uh if we could send a um some some music that we had done so we sent eagle in the sky because that was our previous album and then um he got back to us and said that he we got his private number (laughs) and so it was we knew that it was his you know telephone and all that and um he said he really liked the album and he would love to work with us and so we set out uh to plan a timeline and and we asked him, um, what studios in L.A. will come to you? Okay, I'm in L.A. What studios in L.A. do you, like, are your favorites? And if I remember correctly, he mentioned Capital. And then he mentioned LAFX. And um, Capital, of course, is very big and expensive. And the other one, um, LAFX, was more indie and... Um, maybe more affordable for us. And um, it also had this console API that he really loved. So we, um, we booked LAFX March, 2018 and um, started to, uh, to track with, with some LA musicians. And then um, we had Niklas, me, and then our bassist from the Pharaohs um, with us. So that we could, um, we at least had some kind of um, a core together, like our Uh bassist, Nicholas and me, we practiced for a few weeks before heading to LA, just so that we knew what we were doing when we got there. Because sometimes if you only have session people on board, they don't know your story. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, there can be a lot of time wasted kind of trying to connect. you You want there to be... Uh, a connection that's more than just chords and tempo you want it to be like spiritual too so so yeah and and uh, I was really nervous the first day because I didn't know what to expect I didn't know how he was going to be Jeff Emmerich and um and then uh I just remember right away he gave me really good vibes and was such a gentleman and like always um like if I if when I was going from the vocal booth out into um, the console room or the the uh, the control room, he would like open the door for me and hold the door. There you yeah. go, darling. There you go, dear. He was like so. And I remember he didn't um, he didn't eat like he he wouldn't um, he wouldn't take a lot of breaks and have lunch and all of this. 
He says, no, no, no. All of that just slows me down. He wanted to be like super focused and, but I had to eat. So I went out and had lunch and stuff, but I remember he kept on being like in, in the groove, you know? So that was a really uh, precious experience. And, and um, that's, that was also partly what made our project take such a long time is because of his untimely death um, in October, that same year that we recorded with him in 2018, he suddenly passed. And um, that, uh, that, that sort of disturbed the whole thing for us because our plan was to go back to LA mm -hmm. and do overdubs together with him because we had just laid down the foundation. So like just the basic tracking and one week in LA and then back to the Pharaohs um, to sort of think about overdubs and stuff. And then our plan was to go back to LA, do overdubs with Jeff and then have Jeff mix the album. But because he wasn't able to do that all of a sudden, then um, we had to think, okay, what next? How do we move on from here and still um, be true to the the vision that we had to, to begin with and also be true to the groundwork that he's laid already. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that was kind of like, it was kind of like a, maybe we, we, we started off being too precious about things because, oh yeah, but this is, this is the way we did it there. And we have to mm -hmm. keep it exactly like that. You know what I mean? And then, the more time we spent on it, the more we, we realized that I'm pretty sure Jeff um, Jeff would have been happy that we also just continued in his spirit. And then at the same time, we're true to ourselves. So that's that's also what made this thing take a, take a long time. <laughs> Obviously, on top of that, on top of like Jeff's passing and all the stuff that you still have to do, Mm -hmm. Obviously, there, there ended up a pandemic as well amongst that. How did yeah. that kind of totally that affect that. everything? That's so true. Yeah. It's crazy, eh? <sighs> yeah. That, sh like, that shut down so much for everyone for a couple of years, yeah. Which I, fi I think the music industry is still kind of, recovering from now it is and, and also like the booking the booking world and stuff yeah i spoke to a, i spoke to a boy on sunday night for the podcast and they they had announced a headline show um in april 2019 or something or yeah. it, it ended up it went ahead 20 months after it was initially scheduled it was rescheduled oh. and re-rescheduled and re-rescheduled so uh -huh. you, if you think of the backlog and bookings for for all these yeah, it's, gigs, it, it's it's still kind of people are still trying to find their feet now yeah that's right yeah we experienced that too so yeah. obviously with the, the album on the album as well we've got matt chamberlain who's drum um who's drummer yeah he's worked with bob dylan david yeah. Bowie, and adele um, you got Matt Rollins, pianist, who's worked with Springsteen and Billy yeah. Joel. Yeah. So how how do you get these guys? How how did that? How did they come <laughs> on board? Um, Matt Chamberlain, he um, 
we we worked with him for the first time on letters from the pharaohs and um he's uh he was i think he was based in la um at the time but he also did a lot of work in seattle because he has some roots there mm -hmm. seattle and um musical uh he worked there for a while i think and um so and my fam like a lot of my family in canada they live in in uh on the west coast so vancouver victoria and so we thought perfect um we can go to seattle and record uh drums with matt and then um visit family up in in vancouver and and yeah i think we just somehow got his information and um sent him stuff that we were working on and um he said yeah you know so uh so that's uh i think it's just being open to like connecting with people networking and um yeah people are just people at the end of the day no matter what their cv looks like do you know what i mean so if you just yeah um try to connect somehow but yeah, so we were really fortunate. He said yes, and uh, and uh, so we were really happy with his drumming. And he's so creative; like he does really cool patterns and stuff like that. So for our next album, Eagle in the Sky, we we wanted to use him again, and this time he was um, he was in L.A. and he had um, he had his own studio, so he had his own like drums and everything there and um a setup that worked for him and so we uh we had him uh just lay down the drums and then we we worked around that when we we got back to the pharaohs and matt rollins he was someone our friend here in the pharaohs who had been lots had done a lot of projects in nashville he uh he recommended him and said uh and said here's his contact info and yeah so and then john soson he's the guitarist that worked uh with us also in la on this album he was just someone i had i had heard him on the internet some playing um i think it was some youtube thing and they were like okay who's that and then we just do our homework and connect with him so yeah brilliant and on, on top of all this as well you had a, a 30 piece orchestra for time to time as well <laughs> yeah. um, which honestly it makes it the the album as as I say it's truly beautiful. It's it's it, it's no something I thought I would like, but I, it kind of resonated with me straight Aww. away. Um, obviously the the opening song, the lark as well. Notice yeah. that the the end it fades out with is it pharaohs? Is it? Yeah, it's pharaohs. Is that yeah. the first time you've you've used that? Yeah, it's the first time I've um, I've, I've, I've used Faroese uh, in my uh, in my my solo albums. Yeah, I, I've sung a, a couple of songs in Faroese, and uh, as we talked about earlier, the musical that I did, I was in. Um, that's that was all in Faroese, but I haven't um, I haven't sung in Faroese before on one of my solo albums so this was the first yeah 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was looking at the lyrics as well, and I was trying to, uh, I was trying to sing it myself, but I couldn't get my head down those words. It would take take a bit of time for me to to learn the the pharaoh's yeah. language. Yeah, it's like old Norse. It it um, it's probably like closest to like what the Vikings spoke. Yeah, old Norse. Yeah. I think like some some words in Gaelic and they they might be similar, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which I never learned. I mean, that being from Scotland, and uh, you would think that we were all taught Gaelic, but it's further up that they, they seem to yeah, teach. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so I album out on Friday. Um, Probably this podcast will be released the same day. So if anybody's listening to us, go out and buy the album, listen to the album, stream the album. Um, four singles out already. Um, State of the Land, Amy, The Airport and Home Tonight. What can we expect for the, the rest of the album? Which obviously I've heard now. And <laughs> but for the listeners, what can they expect? Um... Just expect, um, I don't know. It's, I think we're going to, the next song is going to be uh, like a f- the feature song is, it's going to be a, a little up-tempo and it's called There Must Be Something More. That's uh, that's kind of like a little North American-y, um, electric guitar driven. Um, but um, yeah, you just expect a collection of, um, 11 songs and some of them uh some of them are um well all of them uh come from a personal place and um and then I just I hope they somehow resonate with you um I don't know that's the thing with when you when you make music you you live with it for for such a long time and then and then you release it and then it takes on a life of its own. So mm-hmm. I can't control like what people get out of it or what, how people react, but now it's out there and all I can do is hope that. Yeah. It sits well in your ears. Yeah. I, I mean, as I say, I think it's going to be a, a total smash hit. It's everybody, everybody going to listen. It's a, it's a cracking album. Um, what what's the plans touring wise? Have you got any gigs coming up? Yeah, we're gonna we're working on that now. Um, apropos the uh, the uh, COVID backlog that we experienced that, for example, with with our booking. So so um, we're working on that, and we'll announce um, some dates in the near future. So yeah, will there be British dates? Pardon me? Will there be British dates? I hope so. That would be so awesome. Yeah. Scottish dates. I would yeah. I'd love to see you in Scotland. I think you the... I would love to come to Scotland. Yeah. yeah so... You have like um if you have uh some a cool venue that you recommend, you can let me know. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, mean, I, I can see I'm putting too much pressure on you. You have to get me together with passenger and then book book me in yeah. Scotland. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting you together with passenger and then you're, you're going to play yeah. Glasgow Barrowlands. That would be um, wonderful. Um, absolutely iconic venue, but I mean, we're around about Glasgow. There's some crack, cracking venues that would suit you. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see you in Scotland. It would be amazing. Wow, we would love that so much. But I, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Obviously, Martin. before we go, the the last bit of the podcast we've been called "Time for Heroes." Yeah. I asked my guest to pick four heroes to come for dinner. Right. Um, what would you cook for them, and why they're your heroes? Yeah. Well. Um. So four heroes, and I'm going to invite them for dinner. So um, my first hero is Mrs. Gray, and she's my fourth grade teacher. And she, uh, I was going through a tough time as a child, and um, she, uh, she really made me feel like... Uh, uh, I, I belonged and that I was, um, that I had, that I, I was good at something. And mm -hmm. that thing that she noticed was writing. So she, um, she was really good at uh, encouraging me. Like I wrote my first poem in her class and, and, and her, and the way she reacted to it, uh, it made me think that maybe that, that was something that I could do. And um, and I remember I had an um I, I had an accident um in grade four. And uh, it kind of smashed my face up a bit. And so uh when I came back to school with scars and stuff, she uh she was really good at uh getting the kids to uh not bully me, you know? Right. And uh, those things you don't forget, you know what I mean? So she's coming to dinner. That's and, that, that'll be the first time MD's ever picked Mrs. Gray for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Gray. And then um, Sana Brock. She's uh, like good at making friends. But she was a girl I met in grade 11 in Montreal and she made me feel like also this feeling of belonging and um because i've always felt like an outsider but it turned out she also felt like an outsider so we were two outsiders hanging out in montreal um and she's still my friend today and we call each other um soul sisters even though we don't see each other a lot so she's coming to dinner sana brock and uh she lives in montreal today and then, of course, you have to have some, like, guy that you put on a pedestal as a teenager, and that's Tom Petty. So he's coming to dinner, too. Right. And he's always uh, he's always had this uh, uh, cut-the-crap way of singing. Mm -hmm. And and it's always just uh, gone straight to my heart. And... Um, there was always also something troubled about him and I could, 
I could uh, relate to that somehow. And so when you think about heroes, like when I think about heroes, like why, why are these people my heroes? And then I thought to myself, it's really because of the way they make me feel, you know, it's not so much that I'm in awe of them, but the way they made me feel good. And Tom Petty has always made me feel good with his music and his just way of, of, uh, yeah, being straightforward. And so, yeah, he's coming to dinner. And then last but not least, um, Niklas Johannesson, he's coming to dinner too, because he, um, he always makes me feel good. And he, uh, he's the guy that basically when I feel that I, I can't do something, he tells me, well, don't focus on the things that you can't do. Think of the things that you can do. And he's always wanted to see me, um, blossom and, and be the best that I can be. So, in in my world, that's that's a hero for sure. So he's coming to dinner. So us us five, and what I'm gonna serve is like a totally rock and roll dinner, roast lamb. We're just gonna roast a really good piece of lamb. And uh, I don't know if you're a vegetarian or anything, but we're gonna eat lamb, <laughs> and then yeah. we're gonna roast some cool vegetables, maybe some local vegetables here from the Pharaohs. And um, yeah, and then just have some good wine and have really good conversation. And then, yeah. Brilliant. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's, it, it's a, a testament as well. Find... Course, Martin, that would be great if you came too. Oh, brilliant. Do you know yeah. what? I don't think I've ever been invited to one of these before. Yeah, like come. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I, would, I mean, I would love to meet Nicholas. I, I think the way you spoke about him throughout the podcast has been... Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no many relationships last that length of time, but to, to tie in with not only a relationship romantically, but to be working together musically yeah. as well must put immense strain on the relationship at times. Yeah. You know what? It does and it doesn't because so, for example, when we go touring, um, we don't have to be away from each other. We we go. We go to work together and uh, we experience all these things on stage together. And um, but I think at the same time, we're good at giving each other space, you know. But when that said, like. If I come home and I've had a not so good day chances are he's he's not had a good day either because we have the same job so we can't really vent like use each other as a vent in that way but mm -hmm. yeah we've we've uh we've gotten this far and it's it's been a it's been a beautiful journey and I'm very thankful that um that he uh he's with me and uh and also that he's gifted with with uh both songwriting and and uh, producing and 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 uh, playing guitar and everything that he does on the album. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, as I say, I'll reiterate: uh, State of the Land out Friday, twenty sixth of January. Everybody right. go and listen wherever you can. Um, I'll post links to all your 
socials, your website and all that for people to get in contact with you. But I absolute pleasure having you on. The album sounds amazing. Wow. Thank you, Martin. Thanks so much for having me. And it's been really, uh, it's kind of, it feels like I've known you for a long time. I don't know why, but yeah, some oh, people call lovely. that magic. That's why you're coming to our hero dinner. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So thank you so much and all the best to you too with your work. Thank yeah. you very much. Absolute yeah. pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly enjoy. Chance